Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everyone, Yas here. And I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have another fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favor to ask. And that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends and don't forget to get in touch, guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that's at The Coaches Net. And please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey, guys, you're now listening to The Coaches Network podcast a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent, and personal development. My name's Coach Yas, and I'm a UEFA A-licensed football coach, coach developer, and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons, and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Hi guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yas, and today my guest is Laurie McGinley. Laurie, talk to me, man. How are you today? Oh, I'm good, thank you. It's a nice day. In Scotland, uh, got training tonight, and I'm looking forward to the weekend, Scottish Cup weekend. So that's all good. How are you? You okay? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you, Laurie. I'm conscious that obviously there's going to be people that may know you, may not know you. So maybe just give us a bit of a backdrop around who you are, what you do, and we'll go from there. All right. Uh, where do we start? Um, football coach, football obsessive. I've got maybe 400 books in my bookshelf beside me. I love reading. Um, it's good. My my wife is into and loves football. So since she's a Man United fan, so that's a problem. But uh, we get over that. Um, UEFA license coach, SFA, advanced children's license, multiple qualifications. But the most important thing is I love developing people uh, because the person uh, is the most important in my eyes. Uh, from a young age, I I love football. Um, I loved athletics. I loved sport. I loved to do. I probably went out of the house five days a week. I love the, you know, going out to the, on the grass, you know, playing with my friends. But um, when I was 10 years old, um, unfortunately, um, I had the encephalitis, which is meningitis of the brain. Uh, I was in hospital for a severely long time, but recovered very well, you know. But the having that um, head injury really made me think about other things because I always think there's so much people who are, no, worse off than me so I just think like for example I had uh, friends and family who have dealt with other things but the most important thing in my eyes is you take one day at a time but time is the most important thing never waste time on silly things when you can actually help other people so from that um, I've got a degree from Glasgow University uh, sorry Glasgow Caledonian University uh, in uh, sports and active lifestyles but from the head injury, I actually got a, a letter through from the, the Scottish FA, uh, from the kind of uh, development department. And it was the, um, the head of the disability, uh, a, a man called Stuart Sharp. He, he, um, the, he recommended that I played football from another charity, CBIT, 
which is the Child Brain Injury Trust. They're the ones who kind of get in contact with um, sporting organisations who have had people who maybe are at a, a good level or an elite level uh, to go and play. Um, after two or three weeks on the phone, I basically thought, do you know what, let's just see what this is. You know, I love football, I love playing. And I turned up to the uh, the event in, um, up at Stirling University. And uh, I was like, oh, I'm actually quite good at this football thing, you know. So I started having a bit of a, but my biggest asset was my pace. And the one thing in uh, disability football and probably any other football is if you've got pace, you've got an advantage. So I took that on and I was told, go and basically go and be yourself. Uh, I got a, a, I went to a residential a week later. And then two weeks later, I made my debut for Scotland um, CP football. Uh, we played in Finland in the National Stadium. It was probably one of the coldest nights of my life because it was minus 10, but it was such a such a, a, a relief to actually realise I can actually do something, I can represent my country. And then after that, we went 2009 or 2010, we played England um, in the Euro Championships. Uh, we beat them in extra time. Uh, but again, that was all very much, you know, you had to live your life like a, like a professional footballer. So, you know, you're in the gym three, four days a week. You're, you're training, you're in residentials. But the one thing is there was a goal, you know, there was an angle of can we do something? 2011, um, I got, uh, we played in Holland and I got voted. Uh, well, I was told I was going to be, I was the top 10 players in the world at that point, which was an incredible achievement. I'm so happy with that. But again, it doesn't matter. I mean, me, it was a team effort and uh, we came, I believe they came sixth in that tournament. Uh, but from there, part of the Paralympics uh, squad, I but I missed out due to injury uh, and fitness. There was a slight um, uh, quad injury still. But again, then I just enjoyed my time. And then 2013, came back, done it. And then 2014, I decided uh, that I wanted to be kind of going to the coaching world. Uh, and then from there, you know... As life goes on, you need to just kind of make a decision. You know, do you want to be a coach? Do you want to be this? And I think the number one thing is you've always got professionals who go to go and be head coaches. But why can't people who have never played professional be a head coach? So that's one thing I always say. Overcoming adversity is the number one key. I think, you know, there's, there's a lot in there, Laurie. I really, I really want to kind of touch back on a couple of key things. Um, you said... In, on, in, on recollection, the, the thought was, I'm quite good at this football thing. <laughs> yeah, and, I like that. You know, eventually, that kind of led you into, uh, you know, coaching in particular. What was it about coaching that really kind of hooked you into? Do you know, what, actually, this is a route I want to go down. And obviously, um, you know, you made a very, very uh, key point at the end of that. In that, it's, it, you know, it's, it, it, it's something that's become more common now. But it's almost why is it not more accepted that actually you don't need to be an ex-pro to become a, a professional coach, if that makes sense? Yeah, well, I think uh, what the biggest influence uh, in the last maybe 10 years is Johan Cruyff. I love the way he thinks, you know, a, a kind of rebel. The, the, it's very much can you take the advantage of like the when you go 4-3-3, can you go 3-4-3 to create the overload to go and attack, you know, and I, I love the... Um, that kind of thing, but I, 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 one of his quotes was every you know disadvantage has an advantage. So my disadvantage of having a hand injury was probably one of the lowest. You know, having multiple seizures, 30, 40, 50 a day. You know, but you don't know if you're going to survive the next day. To now you're living, you know, um, you know every day to try and develop yourself that one percent better. But 
No, I, I, I loved them. Um, when I, they started coaching, probably uh, I got an opportunity to work in the kind of schools, the primary schools, the secondary schools. And I thought, this is actually, I, I like working with, uh, you know, developing myself as a coach, but also developing young people to develop their skills. But also, they, can, they, they don't need to be a, a footballer. They can be a, they can be any sport. You can use a lot of transferable skills. But I think I love the, uh, it's my, probably my memory of sitting with my grandfather. Um, who sadly is not with us anymore. But the one thing he said to me is never give up on your dreams, you know, never give up on your your ambition. You know, like I, I read Stephen Bartlett, you know, like I love the way he thinks, you know, I think it was one of the quotes is 92% of people don't achieve their dreams, 8% do. Well, that 8% is still a huge number, but it's still the minority. But I loved, it. I loved when I sat with him, the Champions League music, and I thought, oh, I said to my grand, I could be in that touchline one day. He said, why can't you be? You know what I mean? Like you, you've got a, a, you've obviously overcome something that's completely unnatural, you know. And but I love that. I started to go. All right, I got my 1.1, 1.2, 1.3. Then I thought, okay, I love the technical side of the game, but I, I wanted to. I went to every event you can go to. Like if you're going to London, because uh, I live in Scotland, I get the the ten o'clock bus at night time. You know, overnight, and uh, I'm there at nine o'clock the next morning. You know, I go to. I went to PSV, you know, for a study visit, but that was through a network, through a book I read, the European game by Daniel uh, Fusend, you know, like the he pinged me a couple of messages of a couple of people who might be interested, got there, you know, I speak to the guys at, in Europe, I went to America, but I think grabbing opportunities is the most important thing. But now, after maybe 10 years of this, I get to choose, okay, this is the style of play I'm going to use, I've been studying it. I'm going to put together a, a document, a style of play, and I'm not going to focus on the, like, for example, I love listening to lectures. I love listening, but see if it's six lectures, what five of them don't uh, are not appropriate. One is, but it may be the one between two o'clock and three o'clock, but you still have to wait. That one sentence, that one piece of nugget, uh, nugget will help you improve you. But I always say, you, I love the way Michael Beale thinks, you versus yourself. You know, how can you go up at see you at seven thirty? Can you go up at seven fifteen? Do that fifteen minutes extra work. Can you do the um it's not about work, it's about I don't believe in this early bird. Um you know, I think if you do you could do sixteen hours of work, or you could do ten hours of work, or you could do six hours of work, but it has I always say it's quality over quantity. And then this is where I love the coaching, you know, like I don't believe I work in a, a good environment, but the most important thing is that never giving up on see if things don't go right right away instead of panicking or moaning or complaining let's actually work together and if it's not the right fit then you, you try and find another solution and if it's not there it's not there but I believe, as I said the most important thing for me the coaching developing the player and having that resilience in them to go do you know what if make a mistake like I say three, three errors makes a mistake not a mistake so therefore it's that positive negative positive way of thinking but I love the I think I love watching coaches um, another thing I love to do is um, see when it comes to you know watching other coaches too like uh, Pep Guardiola uh, Sir Alex Ferguson uh, even uh, when I was you know Johan Cruyff of the kind of dream team you know watching how they you know progressed but different types of leaders, you know, from autocratic to bureaucratic, you know, I love the way Sir Alex Ferguson thinks, 
but also I love the way Pep Guardiola thinks, and also Klopp. But the most important thing they have is they all have a way of keeping um, the players active through emotional intelligence and through you know keeping them you know happy. Because again, as a coach, you need to learn how to keep the the players happy. You know, even if they, you need to drop three or four of these players, and you know, from the experience of you know working at a, a high-profile um, clubs to grassroots, you just have to develop the player first, and then the the um, the sorry, the person first, and the player second. I think there's a lot with what you said there. I'm going to, I'm going to just tell back to, to one, of, one of the key points, and I think there's that idea of the, the amount of work that you do. It's not necessarily about the quality. It's not necessarily about the quantity of it, but it's the quality of it. And I think where a lot of coaches can sometimes go wrong, um, and it's interesting because over the last few years, I've been doing a lot of coach development, a lot of coach mentoring in particular. And I've got a few coaches that I've come across that I think just getting out there and being on the grass is good enough. Um, you know, the, the quote that always kind of comes back to me when I'm having conversation with them is don't confuse movement with progress. Yeah. Right. It's got to be deliberate and intentional work that's taking place. It's got to be um, specific and bespoke around the, the outcomes that you're trying to get get to, if that makes sense. And I think that's one of the key things really kind of, uh, you know, come out from what you said then. But I think it's it's great, you know, having different influences from the different coaches and different people around you that you that you've maybe seen work well and not work well but I think one of the key bits you know in, in, in really what I'm hearing you say is about yes learn from others yes that's you know that that bit that bit's key but actually really what we need to do is we start recognizing who we are what we bring to the environment how do we um add value and if you know if you go back to the story about you know uh you and I think you said your grandfather yeah. You know, saying to you that there's no reason why you couldn't make it because actually you'd been through some of your own experiences, which which helped maybe help shaped your mindset, helped shaped uh, your intentionality around anything that it is you're doing and have that, that determination factor to come, overcome that adversity, like you mentioned, and actually then go on and utilize it wherever in whichever walk of life. And it you know going a bit off topic now it really it really made me think about another conversation i had recently so i was recently doing uh you know i just i'm just in the process of finishing off masters actually and my, and my research is around uh the impacts of mentoring and one of the key things that really came out from it was or rather if i go back to why i kind of started looking into it in, in particular uh it was that I felt that within certain coaching communities, um, namely, you know, mainly the historically underrepresented ones, there seems to be a, 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 a bit of a lack of engagement in, in professional development. Now, yeah. I recognise that part of the reason could be that there's a lack of representation. So maybe it's not as clear to see a path in, in, a, in a career within the game, possibly. But one of the key things that really came out from it was that it was their relationship with CPD as a whole. Um, and something that really was interesting for me that, that, that never really came out was actually how have their prior experiences and maybe what industries have they worked in or, or, been, or been involved in before, which then had an impact on that as well. Because, you know, as an example, 
some industries that say like the tech industry as an example there's always cpd stuff taking place in that industry so by nature if you're involved in that industry that will then obviously impact and shape your perceptions around the benefits and um the possibilities that you can kind of develop through just cpd as potentially in a, in a coaching industry now i've gone on a bit of a ramble there but there's a point to this the point the point being in that we've all got experiences elsewhere which will then shape what type of coach we're going to uh, you know look to become or how self-reflective we are and self-aware we are as coaches so having thought about your journey and that comment that your grandfather made to you what does that you know when you when you think back about that what does that what does that mean to you now what, what did, 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 has your perception of that conversation maybe changed from what it was then to what it now means to you in 2022 if that makes sense yeah so i i'm not uh, for my sins i'm a chelsea fan all right so i, I but i know it's, it's, it's just, it could be debatable at the moment but that the thing about it was like i love you know the you talked about that never give up like uh, also you talked about mentors and experiences well during the pandemic i i, I basically didn't have a, a coaching job because there was no coaching going on you know what i mean if you're at the highest level i had to work for uh, a supermarket and be a, a delivery driver but instead of moaning about it i got the i just put my phone you know through bluetooth you know and listened to hours of podcasts you know so therefore i was learning all the time so therefore you can always turn, as I said, every disadvantage and advantage. I the you talk. I love the experiences of listening to other people, but the most important thing is I'm not going to be the next uh, Joseph Mourinho or the next you know. I want to be the next Laurie McGinley. I want the person who's actually the guy who maybe is the unknown to go and win something amazing. You know, because there's nothing wrong with you know putting the you know. I use the smart um, you know uh, acronym. And they're not realistic. Well, there's nothing. People will say it's, it's a, I think it's zero point zero two percent make it as professional footballers, and it's about zero point five as professional uh, managers or something. But still, that's not impossible. So the I still get chills when see that that Champions League music goes in. I still get the chills. You know, like I was I was listening to I was driving about uh, a couple weeks ago and I was listening to Celtic and the, the and they just put that music on. I actually had to stop the car. For that 40 seconds so i could actually compose myself because it's it's it doesn't matter if it's rangers so it's just that champions league music you know and that's like i've got an alarm clock you know and it's a, a 6 30 and I, I name it and i say one more day to a champions league winner and my wife thinks i'm crazy but she's like but you don't actually you've got a you spent so many years grabbing opportunities you know going spending the money when you probably didn't have the money to do it the going to bug people, you know, go and annoy people, you know, or network or something. But again, you know, I've, get, I've kept in contact with maybe 60, 70% of the people I network with. But the most important thing is the mentor that I have, I don't have, I've got three or four mentors, but they're truthful. They're not yes people, but they actually help you develop your mental side, the physical side, your, your tactical side, the technical side. But the one thing is the, I always believe you can do more, but you don't need to do more is less sometimes. Sorry, less is more because you don't need to spend, you know, I was reading an article or oh, people are in at six o'clock in the morning for work. Brilliant. But do they, do, is it a, is it six till eight? 
But then what they, I listened to one of the podcasts uh, with someone and they said, yeah, but I don't want to miss my child going to school, you know, between nine and 10. So I go in at 10 o'clock in the morning and I finish at six o'clock at night. So, or 10 o'clock to 10 o'clock. But I make sure that I drop my kids off. So therefore, see if I don't, uh, that's a sacrifice I'm willing to make. But some people have that way of thinking. I, I think you're spot on, but I think, I think you know, when I hear about those sorts of things, I, I, I don't look at it as necessarily, oh, you've got to be in work at a certain time or not. What I really take away from those kind of, um, you know, those stories or those insights, if you like, is not they got up early and they went to work early. More specifically, there, there was there's always been a, there's a sacrifice element to it. They've had to sacrifice something to gain something, right? Now, um, that might be their own personal free time that they're now sacrificing. They're having to move work this way and that way. But I think the key thing is about it's about it's about understanding where they're at, what they're trying to get out um, as 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 an end goal, and then how that fits in with everything else around them. Because we can all say right, we want to be the best coaches, but actually we've all got other things that we need to consider as well. You know, whether it be family life or the kids, whether it be work or whatever that might be for those people that maybe don't work full time in football. Um. But ultimately, if we're trying to get better at these things, we need to. Have, we, we, there's only so many things we can prioritize, right? Yeah. So, you know, what, what what I think on that front is make time to develop, make yeah. it part of your daily plan. Don't just expect and think it's going to take place and happen. I think, uh, and be very clear about what it is that you're trying to develop in. Because if we're specific and clear, coming back to you know using that as a smart acronym as an example. Um, if you are specific, like the smart goal suggests you should be, um, you actually do get a lot more clarity on what it is that you need to do to get better at it. So I think that that you know that's 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 that's, that's a definite for me anyway. But I guess you know, let's look at that then. You know, you you you've got into coaching, overcome that adversity, and now you you know you're working towards trying to become the best coach possible. Where where do you see your strengths lie? Yeah. Well, that, by the way, I'm not bashing anyone who goes in at six o'clock in the morning. I can, uh, you do what you want, all right? I like, I could probably, I love getting up at six o'clock, six thirty, all right? Doesn't bother me. But I think the idea is you can. The my strength is, uh, it's about can we improve myself one percent every day? So every day I get, I have a routine, all right, and it's it doesn't matter uh, for my mental health and my physical health. So I'm up at six forty-five. Uh, pretty much every day, all right, 6 daily, 6.45. But I go for an hour's walk, headphones in, he uh, hoodie up. I look like I just totally, nobody want. I don't want to talk to anyone in that hour because it sounds terrible, but I put my, my, my phone on airplane mode. I, nobody really phones me at 7.30, but you never know. But uh, but therefore, I've got that CPD of that hour's podcast in me. Okay, I'm ready to go. Then I come back, have my breakfast, uh, and then I go and I, I read The Athletic four or five articles so I can get myself up to the standard of looking at this. But now I've got my own business too, so I need to look at that, plan that. But the most important skill I think you I have is um this hard work hard work should never be a um a necessity. It should just be there. All right. But it depends on the subjective part of hard work. You know, like four hours of hard work might equal 30 minutes for hard work for someone else. It doesn't really matter. But the strength I have is I don't, I've got a clear goal of what I want. It might take me 10 years. It might take me five years. It might take me five minutes. But at the end of the day, you know, like I, I'm learning, I'm pretty much fluent in Spanish. I can understand French. I can understand a lot about Portuguese. 
But the most important thing is every day I'm in that Duolingo thing. I'm in day nine nine five, all right, which is incredible. Uh, but but I've got my sister who speaks Spanish. My um, and my stepmom uh, is uh, from South America. So again, I can speak Spanish for her. You know, my dad speaks Spanish. My uncle speaks about twenty five languages, which is incredible. You know what I mean for a guy? But and but what I'm trying to say is reaching out to people, networking, hard work, determination. But see, the most important thing is, for my strength, is I don't give up on, see things don't go right right away. Okay, like, for example, I took a team five months ago, and all they wanted to do is play long ball. And I'm like, no, we're not going to play this. We're going to play this style of play because this is the this is proven that it's worked. But the players need to learn that it's going to be two or three positions they're going to have to play because if there's going to be injuries, there's going to be suspensions, there's going to be people on holiday. But the most important thing is having that resilience to go, do you know what? We're not going to back down. We're going to play this way. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Like, for example, my United, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not a fan of my United, but I like the way Ten Hag, okay, first three games, shocking. You know what I mean? Absolutely disgraceful. But again, he what did he do? Follow the process. And, you know, trust the process. You know, I think John Wooden, you know, is, is always the biggest influence in a lot of people's lives. You know, having the... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Character gets you through the door, you know, but your reputation should always be there. But the most important thing is always try something new, but push yourself. But again, you can always, you need to sacrifice, invest in yourself. And the most important thing, probably my biggest strength is I talk too much, but I'm also energy. Energy gets you in the room, you know, energy excites. I've got a mantra, you know, charisma inspires, energy excites. You know, that's the one thing I, I love my life life. And I think if you've got an energetic coach, the the players react off of you. You need to be you need to use your head sometimes all the time when you have that energy, not your heart. Because if it's a derby, you use your heart. There's going to be tackles that are going to go not 50-50, 60-40, not in your favour. Because you pumped the, the players up too much. You know you've got them too much adrenaline. But again, you need to have a, that's where again years of experience of a coach. You know working with. The another strength of mine, probably I work I work with two year olds, four year olds, six year olds, ten year olds, every boys, girls, disability. But again, it's it's all about having that experience of working with different people. So therefore, you learn how to deal with different uh, people. You know, like how do you deal with the, the player who comes in uh, with a you know with an attitude? With the, but he's a, he's one of the best players to the player who works so hard, but is not at a level yet. Who do you choose? And you should never choose. You should choose both of them, but work in their skill set to develop them as a person first and a player second. And I believe in that. I think there's a lot in there. And I think, you know, first and foremost, it's about recognising individual difference, but also without us having those experiences around individual difference, you know, we, we might be limited to a kind of a one-size-fits-all approach. But I want to come back to something you mentioned, obviously, earlier, you know, your players had a conflicting view with you in terms of maybe the style of play, what they wanted to do. Um, 
what was the, where do you think the resistance came from? Do you think it's because it's what they knew or maybe they, in terms of they wanted to stick to what they know? Or do you think there was an element of we don't want we, we don't we don't like change if that makes sense so the element of fear that's the thing i love the fear quote uh, uh drew broughton he talks about fear all right you embrace the fear because see if you don't if you're in your comfort zone nothing grows in it okay so see if you've got the same style and the same kind of mentality of we're going to play this way and then you get told it's completely opposite what, what you're thinking but again the one thing i always say is i'm quite a I love system-based approach, you know, like I love playing 3-4-3 because you can play triangles, you can play wing-backs, you can play variations of the front three, you can have a narrow three, you can have uh, even 1-3-3, three, uh, three, you know, I love the thing Wayne Harrison thinks about, you know, can you, if you're playing a, I don't want to say, a, no disrespect, but a kind of weaker opposition, you can actually go with that 3-1-3-3, three, 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 but the three strikers are absolutely, what the two wingers are up there, but the, uh, the number 10 and that kind of in the middle of the park could play as that four. So basically you're still going three, four, three of some sort, but that's the way I work. But that's not like, oh, let's have a win. You know, this is years and years of research, research of work, doing study visits, going and uh, picking the brains of the, the like, for example, I've got six books on Johan Cruyff. You know, I'm not a fanboy, but just I love we. I interviewed so many people. You know, I went to Barcelona um, to Stitches to see his uh, son-in-law, uh, Todd Bean, who runs Tobo Academy. And I was like, wow, this is incredible. But he talks about, all he, uh, when I went there, Rondo's movement. But the one thing they had was fun. There was an element of fun, electricity. You could feel it. But see, I don't see defensive football. You know, I love Jose Mourinho. He's one of my favourites. All right. But... Right now, obviously, that he plays with Roma, and Roma play an attacking style of play. But that's the that's the because he's got the players now to do it. See if you don't have the again recruitment is the number one thing. If you recruit good people and good players, they'll work for you. But the one thing is you need to have a the staff you're working with. You they need to have the same pin sheet. They can't. You can have one person, one staff saying one thing, another person saying another thing, and that's where I think the conflicts a lot in youth football and grassroots is one coach has to take control and then feels the pressure when things go well. It's like, oh, but see, when things don't go right, uh, they keep you, like for the start, our start of the season, but I'm beating in the start of the season, I feel the pressure. All right, I like pressure. I thrive in pressure. But the one thing is the players struggle with that sometimes because see expectations now of, oh, we start, we done okay at the end of the season. So, but, uh, yeah, no, I was just going to say, so on that then, you said a lot of players struggle with pressure and you feel yeah. like you deal with it really well. What is it? Yeah. How, do you get, how do you get to the point where you can? So, have... yeah, so I know, so pressure comes from internal right now. So see, I don't see the pressure at training. There's no training, there's no pressure at training. It's intensity. Okay, can they, but they call each other out. So pressure doesn't mean high pressure. It could, it could be low pressure as in, Oh, I'm going to play. At a, I know that um, this is the style of play Laurie wants to play, and if I make a mistake, I'm not going to get shouted at. I'm going to get coached that way, and I'll continue to continue because I don't have thousands of thousands of drills in my head. I probably got 40, 50. But I can adapt them 40, 50 times. But the most important thing is I like to keep the players on their toes. 
but keep yeah. them happy too. But also on that, you know, I think it's a really great point you made there because do you need, do you even need a thousand drills or a thousand practices on your mind? Because this is that this is one of the biggest challenges a lot of coaches have, especially when they're early on in their journeys. Is I say early on, but you know, maybe when they're not as experienced, if you like. They feel the need to have to constantly develop new practices, new practices, new practices. And I get that. You don't want to be too repetitive. You want to give the players an element of, you know, surprise or intrigue around what we're going to do next. But actually, if you've got a practice that works, why not just keep doing it? Yeah, I, I agree. And just tweak it, tweak it, tweak it. That's what I always say to the players. So last night, sorry, Monday night, I've done this practice four or five times. But I tweak. So, for example... I don't see the traditional box, you know, like a 4v4 plus 3. Why well, go into it? I actually make it an octagon now. So I actually make it eight sides. So the players have to create, oh, I need to go to this angle now. Oh, that's where. But then someone said, oh, why are you making it a pentagon or a pentagon or a hexagon? I'm like, because the players get different angles. They take it from a from a right angle, from a left angle, from a turn. Also, you're not going to see a box. You've only got four angles, really. You know, if my maths is right, but uh, top, middle, right and left. But see if you go, that's why the players are like, oh, this is actually, they're a buzz. But the number one thing, see all the footballs. There's 15 footballs assigned me. And I, I think as a coach, but also as a player, see if a football, there's not enough footballs. The training just drops slowly and slowly and slowly. And then the intensity drives up again. Make sure there's 15 footballs. But it's three minutes or two minutes, whatever you want to call it. But everything, if you want to play high intensity football, you need to have that high intensity. But also, we teach the players, and this is the group I'm in, but also the teacher beforehand, you can need to learn how to slow the game down to how to play the game, how to have that game intelligence, you know, that game insight. And I believe, okay, from the years of experience, is see if you can, you don't need to put pressure on the players to do well. You just have to put the pressure. You need to just put the, see the standards. Can you keep the standards to the, the highest level of them? Not the the team, them. So therefore, I see if a player turns up with the wrong tracksuit or something like that, the captain, so no, not good enough. Yeah. See, on Monday night, ball wasn't going fast enough. Captain dropped the ball. He said, stop. And I'm like, brilliant. I'm stepping back here. As a coach, I'm thinking, brilliant. Captain's like, no, stop. This passing is not good enough. You know, let's get it sorted. That comes from the standards that they've set, but the the but is from the the standard. Sorry, we set to them as players and coaches. I, I think that's a really good point because I think for me, I see too often that coaches let players get away with things like that, right? And it's little things like, oh, you know, unlucky. Actually, no, it wasn't unlucky. Yeah, it wasn't. It just wasn't good enough. And yeah, so it's okay as a coach to be able to tell the players that it wasn't good enough. You need to get it right um, in, in whatever way, shape, or form that is. So I think that, you know, I think that's a really good point there. But I guess, you know, coming back, coming back to in terms of developing players who can deal with that pressure and overcome those kind of uh, challenges that are put in front of them. How, how do we get there? How do we, you know, what are you, what are you, you know, if, if, if there's a coach listening to this, thinking, right, I need to, I, I you know, I've, I've listened to this podcast, and all of this information might be great, but how do I get there? Uh, well, hopefully I've not bored them putting them to sleep so, uh, with a Scottish accent. But uh, no, again, that's this. you have to get yourself out there as a coach. You know, you need to, and it's the cliche, you need to go and find uh, mentors and find things. And it's the same, 
we live in an industry where it's probably the, the most competitive industry in the world, underpaid, uh, overworked, as someone said to me last night. But the one thing is that I believe if you can, you need to have, I'm 31, all right? I've been doing this for 17 years. I've worked with the some incredible players, some grassroots players, every player. But I've worked with people first. Number one is, how are you? How was your weekend? How is this? I see if you can get that interaction. But there's some players you'll just, like, for example, I work with a good group of players, very good group of players. But see the first training session, turned up late, it was this and that. Don't, don't expect too much too soon. See when things go wrong, don't go, oh, all guns blazing. You know, I, I, we're going to play... Bielsa, um, is it murder ball he plays? We're going to play that. But they're not fit enough to do it. They're not ready to that kind of knowledge. So keep it fun. Keep it interactive. I always say, see the first four sessions of my set, I think, do 1v1s, but not the one where you have a, a lane. You, you could do uh, four goals and four different, um, so three uh, players behind the goals. And therefore, there's a competitive element. But also, you start to go, oh, we're going to play a lot of, we're going to play maybe a 3-4-3. Three, three, formations mean nothing without the players, all right? But you need to have the system that's going to work. But if you, that takes years of experience, years of work to go, actually, you know what? I love 4-3-3. Three, three. Why? Oh, because it creates wingers. But then you could have 4-3-3 three, three as a kind of forward to diamond. You could do this, you do that. But the one thing is go and explore it and then what you feel comfortable with. But I heard something really incredible that Graham Potter uh, put together, and he said that he done he changed um, his uh, formation thirteen times um, in the the Premier League. You know when he was at Brighton, you know like like the formations. That's incredible. But out of eighteen, you know, like out of eighteen times, well, I could, I, but as I said, the most important thing is if you want to be a coach, you need to get yourself out of your comfort zone, develop yourself, but. Go go to another country. Go and learn the, uh, the la- language. You know, like I speak, I speak. Well, I would say two languages, maybe three, because Scottish is a different language from Scottish English. But but the the most important thing is like you. If you want to go to Barcelona, you need to learn Spanish and Catalan. You know, if you want to go to uh, Brazil, you need to learn Portuguese. If you want to go to these countries, but you don't need to learn the language. Just leave the keywords, and then that's the most important thing when you as a coach. Don't take everything in. Take notes of a thing of people that interest you, and also people who don't interest you at the moment. You know, like the hierarchy, and I think that's the most important thing. I think um, a, a, a key a key way to look at that last piece that you mentioned because I think it's a really important point. I think often we look we look to examples for things that we can maybe implement ourselves in, I guess, replicate in some ways, but actually. It, you know, maybe looking at it from a slightly different perspective, it's not the case of those that interest you and those that don't interest you, but those that you'd like to emulate and those who you'd like to avoid emulating. Um, because I think there's as many lessons in people's successes as there is in their potential failures. If yeah. anything, in some cases, probably more lessons in the failures than there is in some of the successes. Um, so I think, I think that's a really, a really, really, really good point to kind of just highlight there as well. Um, but no, I, I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on, uh, Laurie, in, in the sense that we, we, I think really the key message I've taken from you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is we've got to have a bit more clarity in it and have a, a, 
real rationale and justification as to why we're doing what we're doing in the way that we're doing it and recognizing that actually at any given point it's okay to change yes we want to trust our process but we also have to be open and honest to ourselves in recognizing if this process is actually not working anymore because it's not right for the individuals in front of us yeah yeah too but also i think yeah there's a there's a lot of buzzwords methodology philosophy and they're all brilliant but at the end of the day you know you've got what if you've got 16 players who you've never worked before with and you need to try and actually improve them you're not going to improve every single one of them uh, every single day but uh, so every training session but if you can improve them by that one percent or two percent in that training session you're never going to get the 16 players are going to improve you're going to maybe one who's improved by 10 percent and the one who improved by 0.1 but the most important thing is you need to have that it's not tactical flexibility as such you need to actually have a human flexibility you need to actually learn how to uh, deal with players that actually are going to you know challenge you i like when players challenge me because they're like like we went, we, we talked about the game on Saturday, you know, how we we're going to play. And I said, we're going to play this system. The reason behind this is the opposition team play like that. But I believe, uh, um, in a, if you can see as a coach, can we um, develop the player, but also the, the see as a, how do I put this? As a, you need to be clear what you want. All right. So if you want to one work in the women's game, go and be the best women's manager uh, in the league. You can be an under twelves manager. You can be the coach. You can be the assistant assistant coach of the under eights team. Get, get experience. If you want to work in the, the men's game, you know it's highly it's very very competitive. But the mo- most important thing is a lot of people go abroad now to come back. You know, like Graham Potter, great example. But also you've got um, is it Ian Burchill? Um, and he went to Ostertland, uh, you know, I went abroad. There's many, many people. Lee Manning, you know, went to Bel- Belgium, came back. But the most important thing is, it's not the the what you know, it's who you know right now in football. But also, that does it. It's actually, it's what you know, who you know. And how much do you actually know yourself as a coach? How do you actually, you Again, how much can you push yourself? How much can you sacrifice? How much can you do this? You know, like if you get an extra hour, you know, like for example, this morning when I'm wa- I watched a documentary on Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, an hour, I thought this is brilliant. But again, I invest time in myself as the most important thing in my life. But you need to have that way of keeping yourself your on your toes, but don't stray too much from the road. You know, like there's hundreds of paths out there. But if you want to play, if you want to be the Champions League winner, why can't you go to Real Madrid and go and, uh, not a study visit, go and go to the city for a month, you know, or two weeks, go to every game you can, you know. But, and then if you know anyone, you know, LinkedIn is the number one thing, you know, for all of these study visits, Twitter too, just go and ask someone, do you know anyone at Real Madrid? No. Okay, cool. Next person. Because everyone expects you to get an answer within a, a day. You may get an answer a week later. I've had someone reply to me six months later after I've actually been to the country, done the study visit, met the person, came back, and he still says, oh, you still want to come over? And I'm like, I met you about two months ago, mate. But, uh, but again, the most important thing is you need to, you can't, if you want to work in a certain element in the game, you need to learn how to, it's not about the football, it's about the networking football, and but football is the kind of, Rate, uh, the the top of the pyramid now everything comes down you know like the psychological side the, the tactical side the the business side the 
the performance analysis. There's no such thing as a football coach anymore. You know, you need to actually, like, I'm doing a performance analysis swing from MVP, you know, mate, uh, from uh, Barcelona. Again, a wee bit of money, but again, just to keep myself for uh, the, but again, what can I go network with the people there? Can I spend a week, uh, two days there? I like the, I think it's the travel man documentary, you know, like it's a bit off topic, but you can still, if you plan your itinerary, I'm going to spend 40 hours in uh, Barcelona, but I make sure I get at least eight things done out of the 10 that I'm going to be doing. And the two things I've not got done, I'll go do the next time. But again, you need to have the, you need to, vulnerability is the most important thing. You need to be vulnerable to get the rejection. You know, I've probably, you probably do the same. See if you apply for jobs, I would say, say out of 10 jobs, uh, you're going to get nine rejections and one, maybe. But I got, I, like, I, I, like, they see during the, like, I, I applied for a lot of jobs when I was out of a job and uh, I must have, see every time you get a rejection, you're like, oh, but instead of moaning about it, you put another one in, you put another one in, you put, but then you put, ask for feedback if you don't get any feedback, that's not really an issue. But if you get a bit of feedback, just ping them a message and say, can you tell me why? Are you not going to have experience? Okay, what in this per Can I come and study? Can I go for a week at your club? Voluntary, you know, pay. I'll pay my expenses. A lot of people do that these days because, again, the salary in the UK is not the best, but it's not the worst. But you need to invest your money, time, effort, and your health too, because a lot of coaches burn out very easily. You know, we talked about it for the last 45 minutes. Oh, I've done 15 hours. Is it 15 hours of quality work or 15 hours of quantity work? You know, but again, is it is that the sacrifice you're willing to make? Brilliant. But the next day I take the day off. Again, coaches' heart rates are going through the roof too. So I'm, that's why I think we should all learn how to just be healthier. You know, have that mental health, uh, improve our mental health and our physical health. But again, keep to the path. I think you're spot on, Rory. You know, there's, some, there's, some, there's so many little pieces in there that you've touched on in terms of just, right, I guess it's just pushing yourself to be the best you can. Um, but being honest with yourself when you're not doing that and taking that accountability. And I think that, you know, I think, I think that's probably the biggest message I've taken away from everything that you said in that last piece there. Um, just on that, you know, I mean, I'm conscious of time as well. If people wanted to get in touch with you and you know, maybe find a little bit more about you and anything that you've mentioned, obviously, you know, within this within this conversation as well, where can they do that? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. So I I, I wrote an article I, I, on the British Coaches Network. Uh, uh, they've kind of we talked about the overcoming adversity. You'll see the how it kind of all transpired. You know, from the head injury. You know how it's just kind of you can overcome anything. Uh, I've got my own business. Uh, McGinley Coaching, which is basically we work with uh, in schools, work with uh, hard to reach, uh, ch you know, children and youth, uh, teach them life skills, uh, link with a lot of the kind of uh, the community um, where I'm uh, when I'm based in North Lanarkshire. But again, just helping the the young kids who are maybe two, three, and four year olds who might not be ready to play football, but they shouldn't really be. They just learn how to just be a kid. You know, and I'm the biggest kid in the Saturday morning, you know, like I've got we play lots of small little, little games, but it's working their ABCs, you know, but they smile, they come in, they run. And I, I think it was a great quote. See if they're not barging that door down to come in to your class and they're not, let's say, upset or when you're leaving, then it just shows you you've done a good job. 
you don't need to be the best coach in the world to work with people. You have to be the probably the, you don't need to be the best person either. You just have to be the. It's like I always say, imposter syndrome is the most important thing sometimes. So Saturday morning or it's early or it's nine o'clock. That uh, that one hour might be the only hour they get of physical activity or fun. Make it the most important. Um, so I've got uh, on Facebook McGinley Coaching, Instagram McGinley Coaching. And then you'll see me on Twitter. Uh, I've got my kind of personal one. It's Lauren McGinley one, and then LinkedIn. You just find me. But anyone wants to chat football, I'm happy. I'm always, to be fair, I'm just obsessed. You know, like I'll probably even to say, but during the international show, you know, I was watching and I thought, oh yes, England uh, are out, Scotland are up. So high five them on the way down. But that's terrible. But uh, but again, I think the way I work, I, I, I very, I love coaching. I love just having that way of talking to people. You know what I mean? About the five minutes. Always just ask for five minutes of someone's time. And if you ask one question, great. But see when you get to 10 minutes, ask the second question. And then you always see see when people are interested in your conversation. That conversation, that 10 minutes is actually could be an hour. You know what I mean? And you're like, pick their brains, but keep that person in contact. Don't go out of contact with them, which is sometimes we are we are guilty of because we think, oh, we're just not good enough. No, you always always ask questions because the only thing people can say is no or I don't have time. People have always got time for five minutes, but not for half an hour. But again, that comes from years of experience of working in the kind of industry. Awesome. Well, look, there you have it, guys. Uh, Laurie Beginley. On his, on his thoughts around coaching, how to overcome adversity and just become better at what we do. Um, Laurie, look, it's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. You know, really great insights there. And I think there's going to be a lot of people maybe looking to reach out to you just trying to unpack, possibly just discuss what we're looking for and, and you know, and, and why you support Chelsea. But that's a, that's a good <laughs> thing. Well, that, that's a different podcast today. <laughs> um, but no, Laurie, honestly, thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate it, man. No, thanks again, Ross. There you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care.